When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 212. My name's Turner Sparks. And I am Michael Kaplan. You can find me at Turner Sparks. On Instagram, you can find me at turnersparks.com. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America on Instagram. This shows at Lost in America Pod on Instagram on Patreon. This is the most important one, Kaplan. Yes. We do this show, Lost in America, every week, every Monday. But if you want to get us three extra times a week for our full throttle comedy podcast about life in quarantine, patreon.com slash lost in America. That is where you get the show live from the bunker. That's me and Kaplan three days a week. Talking about life in quarantine for $5 a month. You get that show $5 a month. You get three extra shows a week and you feel good about yourself. You're a philanthropist. You're what do they call people who buy expensive arts, but don't know what to do with it. Kaplan? Rich people. You're a rich person. Uh, people yeah. Who are like laundering money. Yeah. <laughs> you're giving to people like us who need it. You Launder know, you, your money to us. If you've laundering. made a lot of money this year. Yeah, exactly. The stimulus bill was just passed. You're getting that big fat $600 check. Send it to us. For $5 us- a month, you get that. For $10 a month, you get all those episodes plus a Lost in America t shirt. Kaplan, hold up the mug. This, this is the, the mug. This you, this you have to pay extra for, but this is the same emblem that's on the T-shirt. Number one in Armenia, baby. As you so, all remember, we yeah. famously went to number one in Armenia. Not just in, in the comedy podcast market. We went to number one comedy podcast. We beat uh, Mark Marin. We beat Joe Rogan. We beat Bill Burr. Who else has a podcast, Kaplan? Name anyone. We beat I them. don't name our competitors, but you can. We, we beat them all. Every we, single podcast that there exists was behind us in that show. Yeah, that for that week. week. And so yeah. to commemorate that, we made T-shirts for $10 a month. You get that T-shirt, plus you get this pod, and uh, plus you we, get the, the we live. We have a new Patreon, pod. don't we? And our new subscriber, shout out to Pascal Hauser. He was a good friend of mine out in China. Uh, but he's from Germany, I believe, Austria. Kaplan, oh, hold yeah. the phone on the jokes. <laughs> okay. He's from Austria. Austria, I've heard it's a fine place. A lot of good people. <laughs> There's great people in Austria. So shout thank you, Pascal, for joining. Uh, and thank you to everyone. We're at 50 Patreon subscribers right now, Kaplan. We ding, said- ding, ding. A bell should go off for number 50. He should get something. If yeah, we were like when you're people, we would give him something extra for free for that. But we're what we're not sadly no, nothing. So <laughs> but we have said this. We're now at three hundred and seven dollars a month on Patreon. We have said that once we get to four hundred dollars a month, we will throw an annual party in New York City for all of our Patreon subscribers and probably blow the entire year's worth of money. Yeah, we're it's gonna, a bad deal for us. It's going to be a rager. We don't care what the COVID rules are. The second we hit 400, <laughs> we're throwing a party. If we have to do it in like a speakeasy, I, I now that I have the antibodies, something to learn about on the Patreon show, people are telling me all of a sudden where speakeasies are in New York. I'm starting to learn. So we might throw one at one of them, but we're going to throw a party for you Patreons at some point. $400 Someplace is all somewhere we got in New York. $93 City. away. 
Let's get to today's episode, Kaplan. We have the great Ollie Horn rejoining us because Brexit has happened. It's it's over. We we were conf- we were well. If that's going to be my first question. Has it happened? Because we saw uh, some articles. We started reading some articles that it seemed like there was a deal, but we were confused because it didn't seem like there was enough fanfare. You know, they didn't seem like not in the United about. States. Yeah, yeah, that's why I had to ask you, Cap. I said, has this happened yet? Because you know, and it's five years of buildup. And then in the U.S., it was like third, fourth page news that Brexit happened. And I went, did it even happen or does no one do Americans? Have we just grown bored with the whole idea? And so it's not really making the news. Yeah, I think there was just fatigue. It's like they had made a lot of jokes about Brexit and Trump and everything and comments. And then all of a sudden it was like it's been four years. We're sick of it. We, we're, we're mainstream media tuned it out. So we're done. That's why the people come to us for the real news. So we're going to well, break it, it down. It did happen. We found out it happened. Yeah. So that's our first bit of research we did. First we found bit of re- out it happened. <laughs> and then what I'm going to do, Ollie's going to come in in a second. I want to go through all of the bullet points of what happened. And it's like, you know, good, the bad and the ugly. That's an yes. old movie. We're going to break it down, right? John Wayne or one of them. We- but this is good, the bad and the indifferent. What, the indifferent. <laughs> what ended up good for UK? What ended up bad? And what's like, who cares? It's the yeah, same thing. Because we want to give, you know, we received some criticism last time. They said we were like shills for the uh, leavers, right? Or the remain, the remainers, the remainers. Some of our so we got some negative feedback last time from people who said we didn't give enough for the other side. So we want to find out there must be something good in this deal. Boris yeah. Johnson, ace negotiator. I'm sure there's some good stuff. Yeah, the Boris heads in the UK hate us now. <laughs> yes. After that last one, Dolly. So Ollie Horn, you're great. I want to give you a proper introduction. Great stand up comedian currently in Malaysia, but tours the world doing comedy and um is is uh, oh P- pig in Japan was this fantastic show he ran for a while. I'm sure he has new shows coming out. Ollie, welcome back to the show. Yes, that's right. I'm sure I've got new shows coming out. Surely, <laughs> surely 11 months in lockdown would have written me a new show. Uh, it's good to be back. Really good to be back. I find it really interesting that you said that there's no fanfare in America because there was a lot of fanfare in the UK. Right. Like there was a picture on the front page of a major newspaper of Boris Johnson uh, dressed as Santa uh, with a Brexit deal, delivering a Brexit deal to, to his people. And so I, I find it really, oh, in- oh, oh. I find it. Re- yeah, exactly. I, and I find it fascinating when us Brits celebrate things, because I think what 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 defined Britain, right, like 100 years ago is uh, like uh, we'd let other people do the celebrating for us. Right. Like yes. we, 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 t- we told the world how brilliant Britain was. And like we were just exporting empire flags uh, 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 as <laughs> much sounds as like us now. Could. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and so like I think what was good about Britain is uh, even up to about 10 years ago, Britain always did some stuff pretty well. Like I, I look back to things like the Olympics opening ceremony, which was just like an incredible spectacle. It was great. And it had Mr. Bean in it. And anything that has Mr. Bean <laughs> in it is good. Right? It's a win. Yeah. But even then. Uh, like people in Britain were like, ah, oh, it's a bit shit though, isn't it? Or, or it's likely to be a bit shit. Or maybe it was, you know. And like, what I liked about Britain is that we often did stuff well sometimes, but we would always downplay it and go, ah, we're a bit rubbish. Yes. Now the exact opposite is happening, where we are demonstrably shit, but, but we've now had to switch gear and go, but we're brilliant. <laughs> Talk it up. Yeah. So is that I'm what happy. happened? What is the what's the temperature in the UK? Are people, yeah, people ha- well, also, we should say that the Christmas that he delivered this gift to the UK on Christmas Eve, did he not? Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, which, which firstly shows this really did go down to the wire. And anyone that was saying like this is bluffing, you know, the fact that they're like, uh, you know, pretending to hold out to the last minute to get some kind of victory. Everyone that I follow who kind of knows about this stuff, uh, like has reported that it really could have gone either way. There really could have been a no deal and they had to work really hard to make sure there wasn't because no deal would have been a catastrophe. And for all of your listeners that were cross about the fact that I said that <laughs> the Brexit was a bad idea, I think I made the point more clearly that not having any kind of deal, completely severing our ties, right? Like, you know, literally uh, cutting off our arms would have been a bad idea. Would have been the worst idea. And that would have been the, the worst deadline idea. again. We remind us it was it was the end of the year. It was the January first. January first, right? I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's down and, to the wire. Oh, it really, it really was down to the wire. And actually, like it, it kind of still is down to the wire because it still needs ratification. At the time of recording, which is twenty uh, eighth of December, 
we have just heard the news that all the EU member states have have agreed to the deal, which is interesting because I thought individual member states didn't have sovereignty to decide <laughs> on things. But, you know, uh, we, oh, so we every new- country in the EU had to somehow agree. Yeah, of course. And they all had a veto on, on basically everything. And, you know, this is the, the mad thing about the EU. One thing that's been quite good about these last uh, few months is it's particularly during the pandemic is it's shone a spotlight on quite how much sovereignty individual member states have. Like when, when for example, uh, Boris Johnson did a U-turn on um, on the lockdown for Christmas. So previously, uh, Boris Johnson said, I'm not going to cancel Christmas. I mean, I, th- I really think he fancies himself as Father Christmas. Uh, like, There's been a lot of Father Christmas imagery. Previously, when he said, I'm not going to cancel Christmas, everyone can go home for five days. Yeah, somehow, exactly. Like so, somehow presuming the virus won't find out or I don't know, he thought he'd pull, he, he could pull some strings. Uh, and then yeah. uh, three days before he made his U-turn, even saying to the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, you want to cancel Christmas, but I'm going to let Christmas happen. <laughs> he then, did, he, he then uh, did a U-turn when it was explained to him that unlike a Brexit deal, you can't do a last minute negotiation with coronavirus. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to turn the other t- t- turn away. Uh, and so then they had to come up with a reason, right, as to why they did a U-turn, which wasn't just we came up with a bad policy and now we would like to not do that bad policy anymore. So th- they pushed, and the, this narrative was really hard. They pushed the "there's a mutant virus," right? But what oh, they yeah, forgot the new, the is new, it not uh, true? We well, not true. have a mutant virus. Oh, it is. But, but, but we've known, but, but we've known about virus. this. We've known about this mutant virus. This mutant virus since October, and mm. apparently it might have entered the UK via Malaysia. Is one one thing. I think. Oh <laughs> boy, I know. Oh. So, but, but anyway, they pushed that there and then, and I, I, I'm not sure whether it was pure ironic retaliation, but at that point the rest of the world decided to remind the UK that we can still hear you, right? Like we can still <laughs> speak English. And France locked its borders for two days uh, on the basis okay. that we don't want to let this mutant virus in. And then Japan the UK just up- locked its borders. Canada. Yeah, I know. The city of the- New York, we're locking our borders. I don't know if you've heard it. Our governor. Exactly. Kind of- because of the- but, but, but I feel like it's that, that scene from, from Alan Partridge where, uh, Alan is is worried because he's going to get in trouble for something. And he says to his girlfriend, but Sonia, I'll end up in jail. And then his girlfriend goes, but you told me that jail is like a holiday camp with PlayStations. He's like, yeah, I was making a different point then. <laughs> and, and, and it feels like that with the UK that they, they thought, right, quick, let's be reactionary, lock down because of the mutant virus. Uh, and then France goes, all right, fine, we're going to lock our borders, which is so ironic because then it meant that there were two days of um, yeah, we- lorry drivers you know, kind of backed up and backed up. And it's, it is it is somewhat kind of pe- uh, beautiful, chaotic imagery that, that it's almost like a perfect mirror image of the opposite of the Brexit campaign. That, you know, the, the, the most inflammatory part of the Brexit campaign for me was uh, that there was a picture which Nigel Farage, the leader of um, UKIP, stood in front of, of just a load of miscellaneous non-white people, right? Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and with some caption basically saying, look, they're all, they're all coming in. Um, and uh, the uh, the Brexit that we saw just two days before Christmas was like fifty thousand lorry drivers outside Kent all all, all shitting in their vans. And, <laughs> and, and uh, well, we and, should and, say yeah. we should say that uh, first of all, to all I know because we have such good audio over here, people might think we're in, listening, think we're in the same room. You are in Malaysia. We have to assure our audience. Because people are scared of the British right now because of your mutant virus. So you're not okay. in the United States. You're not yes. in the United uh, States. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't um, travel through through um, through Zoom. And no, and, and I, yeah. I, yeah, and I could Stay have, where you are. be clear. Yeah, well, I could have gone back to the UK. So the last time we, we spoke, I genuinely was kind of stuck. Um, but there, there was a brief mer- uh, period between the kind of the two lockdowns here where there were quite a few commercial flights available. But at that point, like br- just Britain became... Uh, virus island, and so <laughs> I, I decided. Malaysia, to, to, and Malaysia's to safer. Malaysia's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, and it's partly because people are just being compliant with mask usage. I think, and you know, whatever you, whatever people say about whether masks are, are effective or not, um, the, you know, the fact that everyone wears them uh, shows, like, at least demonstrates that people are taking it seriously. Right. Yes. Like that, 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 that might not be the reason, but it definitely shows that people are taking this somewhat seriously there. You know, there are still plenty of cases, but very, very few deaths. And, uh, you know, really, really, I've never, this, I've just never been into an eating establishment where they haven't checked my temperature, made me give my phone numbering for contact tracing. Um, 
and where I haven't been uh, kicked out for abusing a buffet. Little joke. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, we haven't done right, the joke yet. Okay. Brexit. Okay, Let's okay. Get, get back to Brexit. Brexit. <laughs> yeah, get to the buffet later in a pandemic. <laughs> He's wanted in ten, ten on seven continents for abusing. He's buffets. the one who coughed. He's not telling us he coughed on the buffet. <laughs> the person who ate it got on a plane back to England and spread that whole mutant virus all over the place. But anyway, even Antarctica, they're looking for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So back Brexit. to Brexit. So first of all, I want to say to our listeners, if you if you if we're, we're talking about Brexit right now and you don't know anything about it, go back and listen to episode 200 with Ollie Horn, where we do the full he explains the full hour of what Brexit is. Now that you've listened to that with the miracle of time, uh, let's start here. I want to go through some. Let's start with trade. And I want you to tell me bullet boy by bullet point if this is good, if this is bad, if this means nothing to the UK. Um, we're starting with trade. There will be no extra charges uh, on goods, so no taxes, I guess, or li- no new tariffs, taxes. Tar- tariffs, tariffs, yeah. Or tariffs. There will be no extra charges on goods or limits to the amount that can be traded yeah. uh, between the UK and the EU starting on January 1st. So yeah. what does that mean? And what is that? Is that good or bad? Well, that, I mean, that's good. That's a really good thing. Um, and that has right, been so good while we've, while we've had that for the entirety of our membership of the EU. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of indifferent in the sense that it's, it's not anything. It's not a it's bonus not new. for the UK. No, no. It's, it's not what they already had. Yeah. No. And I think, um, I think it's worth saying this. I know you want to kind of crack on and do these bullet points, but there, there will be people that don't really have the, the context of, of like what, what this nitty gritty is about, right? Sure. Ba- basically, the UK wasn't a founding member of the EU, right? The EU existed before the UK joined. And the, the UK joined later, but was instrumental in uh, deciding a lot of the, the EU's direction on certain things. And one thing that can be said for Britain's involvement in the EU was it, um, it did care about the kind of the human rights and social stuff, uh, you know, making sure that all the European countries sign up to the European Convention on Human Rights and, you know, like labor standards, that kind of thing. But generally, the UK was really keen on this idea of a, of, of a single market. This idea that uh, if you sell to another country, there are, there isn't, you know, the so-called red tape. And what that really means is layers of bureaucracy. So like having to fill out forms uh, or or that country um, making sure that your goods don't have equal treatment in their country. And that happens in two ways. One with tariffs, Right which is like you said, it's, it is, it is kind of a tax. It's basically saying, look, if you want to sell, uh, if you want to sell your car in our country, we're going to make sure that consumers pay an extra 10% to protect our local car manufacturers. Yes. Or also th- um, things that are called non-tariff barriers and non-tariff barriers are things like um, not, um, not acknowledging a professional qualification. So let's say I'm an accountant and I have a degree in accountancy and a professional qualification in um I don't know, in Bulgaria, and I want to go and do some work in Hungary for some international project, Hungary will recognize my qualification, right? So, so on the basis of, of that, there's no barrier for me to be able to, to, to do my trade. Non-tariff barriers can also be things like we require that uh, a certain food stuff is packaged a certain way for safety, uh, or we require, you know, there's all sorts, all sorts of things, right? And so basically, the, the thing that was concerning about this trade deal was, um, or rather, the thing, the thing that people were concerned about if this wasn't to happen was, all of this, uh, two things. One, uh, if Britain were to suddenly uh, change its alignment, let's say if Britain were to suddenly change its standards uh, on things like product safety or, or things like, well, or anything really, then it would be really difficult for people to, to trade between the EU, between the EU uh, and, and the UK. But that was never actually going to be a concern because Britain, uh, Britain basically never said what it would do outside the EU other than this nebulous, we're going to strike new trade deals. And striking new, tra- new trade deals with other countries around the world might mean different standards, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. The main concern, right, the thing why people were really worried about this, uh, this kind of up against the line thing was there are certain things which uh, the UK was really tightly intertwined with the EU. And so it was really, really important that there was a quick uh, deal. Stuff like aviation, right? Complaints land or, um, you know, sharing of data of, 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 of criminals or, um, you know, stuff like, you know, just, you know, just stuff like we talked about, right? Can goods go in without a tariff? That The problem for that is not so much an economic one, but it's also an immediately practical one, right? Just having a lorry slow down and handing over a form takes an extra five minutes. Can I, ask, that, what's, a, can I ask what's a lorry? Yeah, yeah he's used that word a few times. I don't know. <laughs> you know what a lorry is? It's a truck. It's, 
A truck. Oh, oh, a truck. I thought you meant like a taxi. So I thought it was like a police officer. The trucks. Let's go oh, back. It's a truck. Then. Okay. Okay. No, okay. Got it. Okay. Well, I, I thought I was dumbing things down by giving this explanation. Let's you cannot. Oh, you cannot over dumb things down for us. Let me <laughs> tell you that right now. Uh, well, like, I must say, I find it really funny that. Um, I find it really funny that I'm on this because I haven't read this trade deal, obviously. No, right? no, one, no one has. And whether anyone that claims to have read it is lying to you, right? So well, that's right. 1,200 like, yeah, exactly. pages. But yeah. I figured it's an American podcast, you know, exactly. when in Rome. Well, let's get to the next one here. Um, yeah, okay. So this is because uh, it's along the lines with that. We're still on trade here. So there's extra, just extra checks at borders, like safety checks, customs declaration checks, and uh, yes. businesses. So therefore, businesses that rely on transporting goods to and from the EU need to kind of it's just like you need to know what you're doing. There's the, the laws are going to be different, but so you need to check what they are is as far as. Yes, I yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's broadly true. So, uh, again, this is kind of another irony of, of the whole situation that on the UK government's website, there was a, a, a countdown timer which said like six days to Brexit. Are you ready? And you clicked on it and it didn't tell you anything that you had to do to get ready. I've been reading yeah. that exact thing over and over. And I'm like, why aren't they mentioning what I need to get ready for? They're because no one knew. Ready. No one knew. Okay. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll give you... It's just like a party that we're not going to give you yeah. details. It's Look, so cool. <laughs> I, th I think it's, I, I think it might be helpful to give a couple of like specifics. Right. And I can only really talk about the world, which, which I know. Um, and so uh, I would guess intellectual property law is quite boring. So let's talk about if you're a traveling comedian, right? Okay. Like before that's the Brexit, most important thing in the deal. I'm that's sure. the most important thing. And I'm surprised that, that there has not been more representation for, uh, <laughs> for comedians that work cash in hand and don't mind traveling on mega buses to, uh, to, to dodgy European cities. It's you know? insulting. Um, but, where, but where's my representation in this deal? <laughs> um, I was genuinely considering if there wasn't a pandemic doing a Brexit farewell tour and doing all member states uh, one after the other. It would have been funny, but again, I can't do it. So, okay. So uh, me as a, as a UK citizen, the only passport I have is uh, British. If I go to France now, because there is not an extra agreement on, um, you know, freelance musicians or, or you know, whatever category um, I would fall under, I'm not allowed to work in France without a work permit. Oh right? no. And so so even oh. if I go for a day to do one gig which earns me like 200 euros, right? The venue wouldn't legally be allowed to pay me. And there's there's basically no way around that without some kind of agreement. And that's that's also true for people like um like obviously comedians are a bit of an edge case, but you can see why you might want to send some member of your team to another European country to do some work, right? Yeah, yeah. let's so, stick with your the example of the comedian. So Yeah, right. So so right now I, I and actually this happened to me by the way. The last time the clock was ticking down, I was due to be doing a show in Paris and they said, "Look, I'm really sorry, man, but because we just don't know what like if you're still going to be in the EU at the time or if it's going to be part of the extension, whatever, it's better to leave it. So like I've, I've, I've lost work uh, because of this. And, and now going uh, forward, uh, there is no, there, they won't be allowed to pay you. Correct. Well, you no permit. I'd have to get a working permit and these things will be cost prohibitive, right? Sure. So, you know, the unit economics for, for bringing over a low tier comedian such as Ollie Horn uh, means, <laughs> <laughs> means that it's not viable. But also, right, it's not just that. It's stuff like if, if I want to film my show and I want to bring semi-professional camera equipment, I need what's called a carne, right? A carne is basically like a visa for for, for for goods because say there's say there would otherwise be some tariffs in order to bring goods into the country right like you know like like paying uh like paying vat let's say yeah you need to prove that you uh bought these things in the country of origin and you plan to bring them back again so what mm. you do is you get a thing called a carne which lists all the equipment that you have you show that when you go through customs, then when you go, go back home, they check that you've got all the equipment, which you said you have, and you haven't secretly sold it. Sure. You know, un undercutting. So stuff like that, you know, that's another practical thing where I'm sure one day they'll sort this stuff out, but right now it's, 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 it's not being sorted. And so, you know, practically it's good that all of this big stuff has been rolled over. And, you know, if you're, um, if you're selling, um, if you're if you're, a, if you're a small merchant, if you've got like a Shopify store and you're selling stuff, you won't notice much of a difference uh, post January the first. You can still send stuff, um, 
and and arguably you're more incentivized to do so because the pound has been weakened over this whole process. Uh, but but what we haven't got, and this is really important to mention up front, what we haven't got is everything we were promised during the referendum. And the, your listeners, which said that I was maybe a bit negative in the last episode. <laughs> I, I don't listen ha- to them. Yeah. Well, I think well, they have a point, right? That I definitely was, um, I definitely was pro-Remain, partly because um, I I am sold on the vision as the as the leavers claimed, which was why should we be discriminatory and only allow immigration from these twenty or thirty member states? Why can't we open Britain up to the world? Right? You know that that's actually a very there's, there's very there's a very powerful case for that kind of reasoning, right? Uh, and you know, I do think that there is an, in a parallel universe um, executed by competent people a version of Brexit which is good. Right, which you know takes all the best things of the EU and spreads it around the world. And if if Britain still has imperial ambitions, and it seems it still does, then why don't we uh, why don't we why don't we kind of bring uh, free trade rather than opium this time? So okay. on on, on that yeah. basis, you know, there's definitely a case. However, it's really important to say that the promise is such as we would get a better deal than we currently have. Right. Or, uh, you know, we, there will be um, even more opportunities for trade that that was bollocks at the time. And mm-hmm. it's and it's Still been bollocks. proven to be bollocks. Yeah. Oh, let's keep going through some of these. these yeah, bull let's, okay. let's prove how because I because I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners might not understand the nuances. But if we get to just the specifics, uh, okay. they'll, they'll be on board. So Obviously I'm trying to avoid the specifics. I think you can understand my strategy now, which, mm-hmm. by the way, seems to be the British negotiating strategy during the EU uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, negotiations. All right. So here's a big one that's pretty simple to understand. It seems like a big time loss. There will no longer be automatic recognition of professional qualifications between yes. the UK and the EU, such as doctors, nurses, architects. So if you're a doctor and you're in, Great. you don't have to do work, you're British. And then you go to France. You're no longer a doctor. You're yeah, just, someone has a heart attack. You yes. don't have to do anything now. You can let them be. Well, yes. Well, well, arguably, with the number of sick people the UK currently has, this might be a blessing in disguise. Uh, <laughs> it might be a good thing to keep all British doctors uh, in the UK. But yeah, but this is just what we were talking about, right? Recognition of um, the professional qualifications. It's um, it's not saying that it can't happen. It's just saying that each member state um, can now, you know, decide its own rules. Each country decides and- on its own. Yeah. To, to answer the question quickly, I would say this is a bad thing. However, it should be noted that there's it doesn't affect that many people, right? Okay. But the people that it does affect, it is going to be a bit of a I see. A bit yeah, of a yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay. And then if you're a doctor in Hungary or something, sorry, you come in and you you come in, you then you're not a doctor in England anymore. You're a taxi cab driver. So that, that's, that's great. We have a pot, we have a sponsor to get to, everybody. Oh, yes. So the sponsor. Ollie, here's the question. Do you want to do this ad read with us? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Or you don't have to. We can. No, I know. How, I know. I know how hard podcasting is. I support you guys. No, it's not supporting us. It's supporting the the genius of Magic Spoon. What's Magic Spoon? Oh, Magic Spoon. I've seen everybody. YouTubers. I've seen YouTubers advertise Magic Spoon. No, it's the most, it's the most delicious grain free cereal yes. I've ever eaten. Thank you. Exactly. Here's the thing. That's true. All except are for the fact. It's true. All except for the fact that some other you can get it any. You can't no. get it from YouTubers. You can only get it from us. That's oh, yes. And, and when I want 11 grams of protein with my breakfast, <laughs> I will always choose magic spoon. Not only 11 grams of protein, zero sugar, only three. But let's start from the beginning here. All right. So here's the deal. Kaplan, uh, uh, Ollie, I know Kaplan, when Kaplan grew up, you know, his family was the family that would just give him any kind of sugar or cereal he wanted, you know, and that's oh why he God. ended up as he it, did. That's why it's I had a heart attack at age 41. That's why he had a heart attack at age <laughs> I'm gonna 41. I'm going to file a lawsuit against my parents for that, re- being raised that way. But, but, but my kids me, are not going to have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah go on. We, I was not allowed to do this, and we had to eat, so we just had to eat that gross, bland cereal. There's finally a cereal that does both, Ollie. Oh, thank you. It's finally it's, a middle ground. Yeah, it tastes like all the sugary, sugary cereals you had as a kid. They have the flavors. They have blueberry. They have cocoa. They have fr- fruity. I just is- tried fruity today for the first time, and it is all right, it's outstanding. But, but enough, but enough about your love life. Talk about your cereal. <laughs> fruity is my wife's favorite. Uh, my my niece is eating it downstairs. She asked if she could have some. I said yes, you can have some only if. You go home and force your dad to buy it for you. Yeah. And how do you buy it? Everyone wants to know. You go to magicspoon.com slash lost L O S T. You put in lost at the uh, checkout as the promo code. You get free shipping. And more importantly, it supports this show. 
That's yeah. what's most important for the and first. Do we get a, Do I get a discount if I use the coupon code lost? Yeah, you get free shipping. Free shipping is a discount because shipping this is, is, not, is, is not is not cheap free. in the United Costs States. Costs a lot of labor. Yeah. You get yeah, a box. Absolutely. You get a box in the mail. You can use that. Reuse that box. For something There's a else. UPS guy. You <laughs> know, lot, sometimes lot he involved. moves a lot <laughs> involved. We also have a friend who works for Amazon. He ordered Magic Spoon from us. He said it came quicker than any Amazon product he's ever bought. Amazon, yeah, Amazon could learn a thing or two from Magic Spoon. And exactly. you, you, you mentioned your niece is, is eating it. I have been using. My kids love the blueberry flavor. I'm using it like an allowance, like the way you give dog treats, get your dog to sit. To, <laughs> yes. I, I say you guys want you want some of this. I ration it off. Clean your room. Here you go. Here's 10. Here's 10 cup, pebbles. Cup, so that's cup, uh, it's that just, just for the benefit of the people that are watching on YouTube. Can you show us your box again, please? <laughs> Kaplan is, is so <laughs> in love with magic. Spoon. He it. is eating it from the top of the box. Yes. He is, he's just taken one I, big bite like he's a monster. Now, there's so one tasty. thing I learned, I Kaplan, for a second. There's one thing I learned is you have to be the one talking when you hold it up so the camera will focus on you. So here's my box. I have blueberry. This is for the people watching at home. Uh, Kaplan, what are you holding? So here's mine. I got the frosty and yeah, it tastes, I could smell the sweetness. So I just like ripped it open the way, uh, uh, the way a dog would rip open a, a, a box of like chicken, rotisserie chicken or something. The way it just <laughs> smells so can tasty I, to me. Can I, I ask you a question? Went right in. I, I don't like eating cereal in the morning that has more than three grams of net carbs. Do I you mean, have any, <laughs> do you have any options for me? <laughs> well, this is exactly what it is. It's zero <laughs> sugar. Zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, only three net carbs. It is keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free for all you soy people out there. I got the math here. It's 10 carbs, but minus one gram for fiber, minus six grams of allulose. And that Kaplan, I wasn't even cars. done yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. Shut up. <laughs> it's low carb and it's GMO free. Ooh, How about that? Magicspoon.com slash loss. Put loss to check out. We say you buy your first box of Magic Spoon for us, for the podcast. So you're contributing so we can stay on the air. But you buy your second box for you. Yeah. And you buy a third for your heart. So your kids and your kids heart. So they won't have heart attacks at age 41 like I did. And you're not having one because you ate healthy growing up. So. Exactly. Now let's get now. Now we have one last ad to get to. Then we'll be back with the show. Cap, let's play the ad. All right, we're back. That is it now. Uh, Ollie, let's keep going. We're talking about travel. I want to move on to. Wait, did we already talk about travel? Um, we no, did we not talk so, about travel. OK, so you here's a big can, one. Can EU, I can I just can I just drop in something? I, yeah. I know it's not fashionable to recommend things that uh, James Corden has done. But before James Corden moved to the uh, US, he made a sketch show with a guy called um, Alex Horn. And they have an advert, a fake advert of an American product where they just the only thing they'd say about the product is it has zero espinal. There is no espinal in this product as a parody of like, and that's all I could think about during that entire advert. Read. We will say that next week. Zero uh, espinal. Can you just, so can you make sure that next week you just drop in that there's no espinal? Espinal is a made up thing. It's, and if it's, I, I, it should, this should be on YouTube and it's worth, it is worth watching. There is no espinal. We have removed the espinal. Not only would we do, will we do that, but I should also say, Cap, we're the most transparent podcaster is out there. So we, you should say that so many people we this is only our second time advertising magic spoon so many of our listeners because the best listeners on earth bought it the first time that magic spoon has already bought Every more ads us. on our show going yeah. forward so please keep it going do it for us we've been doing this show for four years and this is the first ad we've ever had paying ad we've ever had so thank you well, we held out we had a lot of offers but we waited for the right product, this product <laughs> oh yeah so good <laughs> you wanted to make sure the products had no aspinol in right exactly yeah. we held out for all, the, all the other products were just full of aspinol you we don't want to kill our audience all right all right back to brexit <laughs> back to brexit okay here's a big one EU, uh, so this is travel. EU pet passports will no longer be valid. Well, How about that's, that? That's huge for me as a dog owner. Tell, yeah, yeah, complete I pain did. in the ass. So that's, so that's another thing you can do. And this, this kind of goes back to this idea of like a, an assumed set of standards. So what, what most of the EU is about, right, is they're not being, um, is, this, is this, there being this element of trust, that we trust that one country is going to fill out its, um, is, is going to fill out its safety declaration once, Right. And that country's going to monitor that. And then all the other countries agree. Right. Sure. And it's true for vet, it's true for vets, too. Right. Like we trust that each member state's vet uh, are going to be looking after the animals properly. Trust they're going to vaccinate them properly. Trust that, that they're going to be safe. Uh, and, and therefore, there's no need to replicate that work again and again and again. Right. And 
so yeah, if you if you own a dog and you want to uh, take it on holiday to France, uh, you need to to go through additional uh, paperwork or, so or kill it. But that's that a, a good... little or kill it. That <laughs> feels... get it or get someone to watch it for a week. I mean, so that I think you got to kill it. I mean, the, I, the I, French. You don't want the French coming into your country with their dogs. They don't pick up their poop. Have you ever been to Paris? So <laughs> this is a huge win for this is a great win by Boris Johnson. And that's just show. the owners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You can so that seems like indifferent, I guess, or bad to bad, bad to indifferent, somewhere in that well, range. Yeah, or, or, or I get, I guess you could call it like a negotiation failure. Like I think rather than saying good or bad, because I think like no, no one uh, agrees on a trade deal if it's going to be like really, really bad, right? Like what what tends to happen is it's like you've you've met your negotiating criteria or you've exceeded them, and this is an example where like they could have. If they had time, they might have negotiated this kind of thing. Maybe the UK has some grand plan where they're going to deviate on EU standards. I can't think how. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, th- this is the kind of thing which is like, it's a shame it's not being done. But as you've already uh, noticed, as as you mentioned before we started recording, it seems like a lot of this treaty... I mean, this treaty calls itself, calls itself a framework, by the way. The word framework is written in the, the first couple of pages quite a few times. It basically is saying, look, we're not we're not done yet. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. this, is, this is this is exactly like when you're taking an exam at school and you leave yourself a note to kind of come back to a question for all the questions. I'm glad. And I'm glad. So you, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I used to, I it's what I respect about it because I used to do this. I remember when I have like a deadline in college. And it'd be like, it's you're up against deadline. And I'd write, you have to write this many pages of like a screenplay. And I would just leave blank, like insert joke here. Like this is where I'm coming back for a joke, but like, yeah, I got nothing. So they got nothing as you we were saying. A lot of spots are just going to put, kick the can down the road. Yes. And they've also done like, they kind of set up a lot of committees as well. So like, there's going to be like committees that meet to decide on certain standards. Also, there's going to be certain reviews. So like the, the Boris Johnson was a bit disingenuous when he said in five years time, we can fish all the fish we want. I'm sure fish is on your list. So I'll just pre- Yeah, wait, wait, hold that, hold that, hold that, hold that. We'll get um, to the fish in a minute, but go ahead. But yeah, so, so basically uh, there's, there's kind of options for things to be reviewed. There's gaps for things to be filled in. And so in 2026, which is when there's kind of a, a, um, an opportunity for renewal, it's possible if there was political will for this trade and cooperation agreement to be the vehicle through which the uh, UK rejoins the, the single market. Largely Wait, what is the single visit. market? That just means the EU? Well, the single, Sorry, mar- the single market is... No, no, it's fine. The single market is what the EU calls its kind of like economic policies. The trade, which part, is yeah. its trade part. Yeah. So it's basically like the single market is uh, all of the uh, rules and agreements that allow you to freely exchange your goods and services, right, without any barriers at all. And okay, so let- what I'm what I'm suggesting is it, it seems that this that there are so many kind of open ends and loose ends to this trade and cooperation agreement so much to be decided and so much that's up for grabs in 2026 that in theory this could be a this could be a vehicle, a vehicle for more divergence which is what Boris Johnson is saying right but in reality it could also be a, ve- a vehicle for more convergence back to something similar to to what to to what the UK has 5 years from now when different yeah, prime ministers problem though so all right let's keep going exactly the classic british response of just kicking that tin can down the alley all right so i'm just going to go through all the travel stuff at once so we can get okay. through it all, all right. um uk nationals will need a visa for stay of longer than 90 days in the eu in a 180 day period. That just seems like that's what we would probably need as well. Like, so, yeah, so that's, that's, that's just, bad. Yeah. You're just being considered a foreigner at that point. Um, yeah, exactly. Extra border checks for UK travelers. Um, I don't know. But what by the it? way, that, that is, that is, that is kind of double bad because like some countries have really strict rules about um, whether you're allowed to like co-inhabit and stuff. So like in the UK, for example, if you want to become, if, if you marry someone who's not from the UK or not from the EU, then you need to prove that you've got a certain salary in order for them to get a visa. Like the, America doesn't have ah. this. That's why you have 90 day, 90 day fiance where anyone, where anyone who like lives in their mother, fiance. in their mother's cupboard uh, can, you know, can, can bring their, their foreign spouse to the country uh, to get the, the green card. Right. That's what you call it, isn't it? Mm. Whereas yes. um, some countries don't, don't have those kind of lax rules. 
Uh, and so this like this really will mean that like there's a generation of people that can't have like a, a fit foreign girlfriend. You can't have a green, <laughs> green card. Green card weddings aren't going to happen now. Like that's not unless you've got not unless you've got money, I suppose. Yeah. If you're a dorky guy, that's sometimes the best way to like have a little fun for a few months. Well, it's getting oh. even worse here. Here's the next one. UK and EU will cooperate on fair and transparent rates for international mobile roaming. But there's nothing stopping. Basically, if you go now, British people now go into other parts of Europe, your roaming phones, your mobile uh, phone plan, the rates could just go through the roof on roaming. Whereas it yeah, used and, to be and, local. And this was, oh man, and this was so good. Like this, you know, this meant that like you could use your UK data plan anywhere in Europe. So I remember going to like Barcelona and like just tethering on my phone, just <laughs> rinsing it. And there's <laughs> nothing they could do. And the, but but what this didn't do right is it wasn't like there was a complete market like the, the EU like still allows member states to be somewhat protectionist. So what you couldn't do right is just buy a German cell phone plan and use that in the UK the whole time. Yeah, right. It's not like a perfect free market. It's like there were still some restrictions. But yeah, this is this is bad. And also there are some people who live in the border of um of the UK by the coast the part closer to France. And I remember as a kid, there was always news reports of when phone masts got stronger, you know, like when we moved to 3G, yes. their phone would, would flip from the local British network and the French masts would be stronger. And so every now and again, their phone would flip. They'd receive one text message and it would cost them like four pounds. Okay. And I remember this being a, a perpetual news story, which was then solved by the EU rules on roaming. So it's like they never actually fixed the fact that the French uh, kind of towers was was stronger or whatever. Yes. I don't know. But isn't this like, a like, good like thing? Like their cheese. This is going to make British people who travel more present. You won't be able to be on your phones the whole time. <laughs> girls, you can hit on British girls because well, they can't be on there. They can't be just doing everything. They got to like. Well, actually, we, we've, we've, we've actually, well, well, we've created a problem and also solved it because yeah. we've also made it harder to travel as well. Yeah, so it's well, not like you that. can, it's not like you can be, it's not like you can be in the EU for so long. You'll rack you up get a it, huge bill. Right. You're you going to be checking on your dog because you couldn't bring your dog with you. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. All the problems are actually solved. <laughs> All right. Here's a good one. British travelers will still be able to access emergency health care in the eu but is that good or is that just what you also had before that's what they had right <laughs> yes yeah, so it's what you had before so so we we have this thing called the european health insurance card which is only available for tourists and i didn't realize this actually when i was studying abroad in france oh yes we've now found out why he's so pro eu uh when, oh, when i was studying abroad in france hero. i i thought i could use that but actually i had to pay for the hospital when i um i cut my hand on valentine's day not related but memorable because <laughs> Because uh, the, the nurse that dealt with me was like really, really, really beautiful. And I thought, man, should I just shoot my shot? Um, there it is. Misconnection. That's, She's listening now, I'm sure. What a, what a Valentine's Day story. <laughs> um, but in order to have this card, you also need to have private health insurance. But it's just a way of like making things just a bit, a bit quicker and a bit easier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a win. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. But um, if you were traveling, you, you'd have private health insurance anyway. But you had it before. Um, all right. Here's a big win, I think. UK will know. Now we're getting into the meat of it. New UK will no longer be bound by EU courts. Good or bad? Yes. Well, this so this is a big thing for someone that cares about the idea of sovereignty. So sovereignty is a word that's that's never been used as much, I think, in the last two or three years. What yeah. sovereignty? What people think sovereignty means is a country being in control of its own laws, right? That's kind of what the word has has, has become. Like, what does sovereignty mean? Well, it means that only British laws are made by British people in uh, the British Parliament, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And any and any kind of foreign influence on on British law is seen as undermining of sovereignty. Now, I take quite a different view of what sovereignty is. I, I take a, a more kind of practical view, which is what, what I learned at law school, which is you get like sovereignty is the recognition that you are that a country is able to make international agreements. So what this means is like, you know, you know, in international law, there's, there's a test for statehood. Like, what is a state? If you want to claim to be a state, what do you have to have? Well, you need to have firstly some degree of territorial control, right? Is the government actually in, to a greater or lesser extent, in charge of its citizens? Do they listen to them? Or has they been a military coup and do they listen to the military leader instead? Yes. So not only do you need to have kind of like some kind of internal control, there's also this, this idea that the country can be outward looking, right? And is able to make agreements with other countries. Because what that does is that means that other countries are acknowledging that you are a sovereign state and able to make an agreement, right? So it's a bit circular, but basically for me, sovereignty is the, the ability for a country to make agreements with other with other countries. And so the making of other agreements 
the making of a grin for other countries is for me is like a show of having more sovereignty, right? Like you, you could you can you've got this big international web of of things which which show which prove your independent statehood. But so basically, the European Court of Justice um, was that was a court which basically decided on when there was something where um, we were unsure what EU law said about something. We would the EU Court of Justice would interpret that law, but it's really, really, really important to, to 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 not overstate the case. Generally speaking, and there are some exceptions which are not really worth going into, but generally speaking, the European Court of Justice was there to advise local courts. So what would happen is right there would be a question. So let's say um, something really simple like uh, a question on uh, a question of law regarding product safety. There would be a dispute in a UK court, right? And the judge would say, look, this, this actually uses some EU law, right? This is not just, uh, j- just, um, this is not just British law, but EU law. It's really important that EU law is applied uniformly across the whole of the market, right? Britain can't have its own interpretation of EU law. France have a separate interpretation of EU yes. law. Spain have a separate, because, because then you can't predict anything, right? Then you can't know what the, law, what the law tells you to do. So what they do is they will send a question to the European Court of Justice. The European Court of Justice will not look at the facts. They won't decide who wins the case. What they'll say is, well, based on these assumed facts, we, we, we would interpret the law this way. And then that judgment is then used by all the other members, all the other member states. They would then send that answer back to the, to the court in, in, in the UK in this example, and the UK would apply that. So there was never ever a question that like the European Court of Justice was higher than the UK Supreme Court. It, was right? like, it wasn't it, like it was suggesting and advising, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. And, and of course, the UK court would have to be very, very brave to go against what the um, what the justices advise. Right. They'd so this is very, kind very of a nothing. Then. Well, yes and no, because on the one hand, on the one hand, it's um, it was good that the UK had representation in this court. So Britain was actually quite instrumental in uh, the European Court of Justice, although it was in. Um, oh, goodness. Which country is it in? It's not Switzerland. It's um, Luxembourg. So although the, although the court is in Luxembourg and it mm. and it um, uses lots of different languages, English was used a lot, and there was a post called the Advocate General, uh, or it's not the Attorney General. I think it was the Advocate General, one of the two, uh, who would who would advise the court. And there was loads of British people that did that job. And so, like when you think about the movement of EU jurisprudence, you know, looking at stuff like human rights, like what does a family mean, uh, you know, th- these kind of like big questions. The UK had quite a lot of influence on the court. Now what's going to happen is we don't have any judges in the court. There's going to be less influence of British law in the court, but we're still going to have to follow the judgments because if the EU decide, well, we're going to interpret our statutes this way and Britain now as a vessel state, as a third party to the EU says, well, we would like to trade on, on your terms still. You know, We'd like to use this agreement we've, we've struck uh, in order to, um, to stay trading on your terms. right? We still need to f- kind of follow what the court says, but we have... We have less say in it. It's less of a win than we think. Well, mm-hmm. it's less of a win than, than people might think. Call it a tie. Got it. Um, okay, let's get to the fishing because this is something I'm sure there's a lot of background if we could do it as quick as possible, but we're running out of time here. But um, from what I've read, the UK... Uh, By the way, experience, experience has showed us that going right up to the bone time-wise will, uh, will result in a better, um, a better podcast. Exactly. I'm just using the UK negotiator's <laughs> tactic of running things up to the wire. The final 10 minutes of this is going to be gold. We're hoping to finish <laughs> it by Christmas Eve. Well, we, um, yeah. it's uh, okay. So fishing from what I understand, I'm going to explain what I understand and you can tell me where I'm off here, but it seems as if the EU was allowed to fish in UK waters. The UK is allowed to fish in EU waters previously. And that seemed to be a big point of contention for British people who want Brexit to happen because they thought that the EU was fishing too much in their waters. Am I right? Got yeah. the best fish. Obviously. Okay. OK, so then what they negotiated now is that for the next five and a half years, uh, the UK in EU is still allowed. EU boats are still allowed to fish in UK, UK waters. But the for the next five and a half years, the UK gets 25 percent of whatever they catch in dollar amounts or in, in pound amounts, whatever it might be. Um, and then after or- that, in five and a half years from now, they have to renegotiate again. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Well, so basically, uh, 
that there are it actually breaks it down according to fish and i've read that there are 87 species of fish which are sub- subject to this kind of eu uk quota right and this year um the uk gets 33.6 percent of the of that fish stock right which they're allowed to fish this is obviously done for environmental reasons right to stop overfishing um oh, I didn't think but in in that 2026 is. so after this that share will rise to 35.9 or something percent so from like, from 33 to 39 uh, from 33 to 35 so it's like a two percent oh. or two and a half percent increase oh. but i in in, yeah. in in amount of fish that we that, that we get so um the the okay i think there's two reasons why this is a big issue firstly fish is something we can kind of understand right so like all, all the other stuff which we've attempted to talk about is like really uh esoteric whereas fish it's like they're taking our fish like we can see our <laughs> yeah. fish no i read i read a quote that said it's not about fish it's about freedom from some uh, from one of the yeah, negotiators yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's and there was slogan. all this there was all this like proper jingoistic stuff of like, like um, one of the press briefings was there are four navy vessels ready to um, to arrest french uh, fishing boats if, uh, if it's, it's just it's just french it's fishers. absolutely stupid so but, what's uh, that uh, 25% uh, thing i read then uh, I don't, I, so I don't know that figure. And honestly, I don't think it matters th- okay. th- because fishing is such a small industry for a start, right? It's a tiny industry compared to like financial services, which yeah. let's be clear, there's still no agreement on, right? So like one of the main things that we need an agreement on this idea of passporting. So like can financial products be moved easily across, uh, across the union cannot be done terrible. Fish is such a small issue, but for some reason people have really got behind it. Secondly, and I find this really funny. We're not even eating the fish we, we're catching, right? For so, like British people don't like most of the fish. We eat cod and that is not available. Haddock. Uh, Haddock, haddock if cod's not there, um, and then fish whatever, and, and then whatever fish is in the filio fish, right? right? Those are the only three fish. Fish and fish. chips are just fried fish. That's what you're known for. It's exactly. not yeah. exactly the so mick fillet. <laughs> exactly. So, the, so any fish which which is nice when it's fried will eat. So most of this fish is exported anyway. So that's why you know when it's like you get the twenty five percent of the fish back. That is, yeah. to, we just get the money for the for that fish. Right, like, yeah, you're not. You don't want the. But fish. all the Scottish salmon you're catching, you could export to America. We eat all the. That's that's our well, thing. We I, I think mo- most. I think most Scottish salmon is is actually exported. Yeah. But um, there you go. You, you know, it's um, it, it's a uh, fish has just become one of these politicized issues, and this apparently was one of the the kind of the the stumbling blocks. The the thing which the thing which really um got Johnson in a twist, and the thing which made a deal nearly not happen, was this idea of of kind of. It's very hard to explain, but like it seems that it was about the keeping of standards. So, like the extent to which the EU is going to lock the UK into certain standards if it still wants access to its uh, market. The reason being is the EU is very worried that the UK might quickly dive, um, diverge its standards or lower its taxes um, in order to kind of be like like the Singapore of, of Europe is what people were saying, right? You know, a much lower tax regime, uh, much more internationally competitive. And then the EU wanted a mechanism by which to say, well, we're going to get compensated for that. If you want to make those changes, that's fine. But now we need to kind of re- rebalance the seesaw. Um, fish apparently was also one of these, was one of these stumbling block issues. But I think Johnson realized that he just needed to, to not lose this issue, right? You know, it, it, he just needed the, the people People that cared about Brexit, people were saying Brexit's going to be brilliant. There are these sunny uplands. It's going to be the easiest deal to strike. When all that didn't happen, they then had to change their tune to, well, we're not going to lose much. And the thing that they really did not want to lose, because it's something that you can kind of visualize and see is fish. I see. Okay. Yeah, I think he started at like 80% and then it's like, but he got something. So it's, it's he counts as a win. Exactly. So, yeah. you, might, you might say that this was a bit of a red herring. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> okay. But it's, it, it, it does seem to be the one that gets the most press, which is probably, I guess, by design. Um, here's the last thing. And then oh, I that's just because c- fish have really good PR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows uh, fish. Here's an, this one Everyone seems like an fish. issue. <laughs> the UK, will, the UK will no longer participate in the Erasmus exchange program, which seems to be, is this the idea that, if you grow up in the UK, you can go to any university in the EU without having to pay a higher fee than the local students. Would that yes. be yes? And, and now that is off, right? Oh man! And so this Six is something to which I think. Well, yeah. Well, this is something which I think is actually like genuinely short-sighted. Genuinely, is the word myopic? Is that the right word? Myopic. Myopic. Yeah, maybe. 
I, I want to use. Got your, I wanna, you guys got your own language. I don't know what you're saying. I want to use. An <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, half these words, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> it's really worse. I want to use an intelligent word. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, lacking. Yeah, that's what my outfit means. Basically, this is the most. This is the the saddest of all the of all the the, the kind of wins. This, I think, right, was made on economic grounds because what what the Erasmus scheme basically says is, uh, you don't have to. Um, like I did the Erasmus scheme for what it's worth. So I went and studied in a French university for a year and didn't pay them anything. Like didn't pay tuition fees at all. That at was all. covered by no, that was covered by someone. And uh, I also got some money as well. I'm not sure where. Wait, wait, sure wait. How. When you say <laughs> you didn't pay tuition fees, that's because you got a scholarship or literally no, no, because was, you're British. Because so of, no of the because of the Erasmus scheme. Yeah. Oh, my God. And 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 honestly, the Erasmus scheme is it's quite a scheme. I, I, like, I do think it changed my life because but for um, going on that exchange year, I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't be stuck in Malaysia now. Right. Like it really <laughs> yeah. showed me you wouldn't be on world. this podcast right now. This has changed exactly. our lives. Exactly. So these lists, the, the, your listeners have a lot to thank. Uh, in fact, Magic Spoon needs to thank you. <laughs> Magic Spoon is making bank of what I learned while in, in Paris. Yeah. So they should make us here for this going forward. Magic yeah. Spoon is the real winner. Basically, the Erasmus scheme is, is very, very good. And Magic Spoon. Don't mean to say Magic Spoon. Erasmus, right, is not just about student mobility, but it's also about funding programs for you know university research. It's about making it easy for a professor to do a visiting lectureship, etc. Um, why I think this is sad. And it's, it's true that generally Britain spent more on Erasmus than it was getting back in terms of the, the, the movement of students. More foreign students or more EU nationals were coming to the UK and, ah. and benefiting from the program, but the other way around. But, right, that does just that just, just suggests that more could be done to encourage British students to go and take advantage of it. And the thing that I think is, the reason why I think this is very short-sighted is one of the things that Britain does still have in now limited quantities, I think, is soft power. And I think about all the people which I met on the programme who, um, you know, all the people that studied at my university because of Erasmus or all the people that did one term of Erasmus in another European country, but one of their terms in the UK. Like, it just creates this this like generation of people who are fond of the UK, who speak good enough English to work professionally yeah. and who like, obviously when you're 20, all you care about is banging these people. Yes. But, ten, <laughs> but, but 10 years on, they become your professional network. Right. Those, yes. that, those that haven't, those haven't well, blocked. I got good news for you. We can replace those Europeans that were coming in with more American study abroad kids. That's what I was going to say. Those this is the, the win. It's the great for us. They are, they are the worst. They're the we, worst. The Americans were the worst. They didn't get invited to some Erasmus parties because they're awful. That's Kaplan. Kaplan and I my brother studied, studied in England. So they were the two worst. But and it's a win for us because we get more jolly Brits. Maybe yeah, you guys can come to America too. America, yeah. yeah. You should study abroad here. We'll Look call it the Trump program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think honestly, I do think it's really sad. And I and what Britain has said is, oh, we're gonna we're gonna set up our own scheme. But that's not really the point, right? Like, yeah. The point the point is you you um, yeah. And like you know, I I, I think I mentioned before, like I met my my Hungarian ex. Uh, as part of this scheme, mention like, her often. Hungarian ex accountant. No, we have a lot. We have a lot to thank. Well, one tip for if they want to make a deal on this with the U.S., I would shy away from calling it a scheme. Yes, <laughs> that, that usually just sounds like you're taking advantage of someone. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the problem with this whole issue. So what? So final Jason word here. Fish. What would you say? What's the best thing that happened for the U.K. And what's yeah. is what's what's the worst? Uh, well, okay. So if, if I'm being a bit sneaky, right? I I think that all of the talk of of divergence of standards and striking up these new hugely different trade deals, etc. I just I don't think there's the political appetite there. I don't think it's going to happen. I think what's more likely, right? If we just look at the general trajectory of international trade, everything's converging, right? There's ultimately going to be kind of one one standard, one ground floor, which every country in the world ends up meeting apart from China, right? That's basically yes. what's going to happen. And so, uh, and actually, you know, China is going to have an even bigger influence on what these standards are, as is, you know, Brazil and India, et cetera. So my feeling is the fact this agreement has happened and the fact that people that, I mean, there's definitely a generation of people who don't understand Brexit. And I know that because I talked to my grandfather on the phone quite regularly and mm. he shout out like he's he's shout out to shout out i think i think he's a magic spoon i think he's already a magic spoon <laughs> subscriber so i don't think the coupon codes <laughs> uh 
like he he genuinely doesn't understand any of the issues. Like I I I don't mean that. Like he's 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 otherwise a smart guy, uh, but he he just like where he gets his news from isn't um, isn't explaining this in any other terms than we won our fish. Right. Or like we didn't give away more fish. Than well, here's a question. So, and I so know, my, uh, my feeling is, yeah. sorry, just, just, just finish that point. My feeling is a lot of people think Brexit's done now. And this vehicle is a way for us to very calmly and very adultly rejoin some of these important programs, such as like the sharing of criminal fingerprints. For some reason now we, we don't want them anymore. Yeah. Right? So like stuff like that. I think eventually this, 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 this is a mechanism for, for that to happen slowly and gradually, but so much damage has already been done and so much political trust has been lost on the basis that people were promised something which absolutely could not have been delivered. And yes. this, I do think for all Boris Johnson's faults, this is probably the best that he could have done, even yeah. given his 80 seat majority, right? That, because the EU just aren't going to budge. The EU aren't going to undermine the integrity of the single market. That's what I was going to ask. If it was just like big picture, it's a good deal, but in the sense that it was worse than no deal, obviously. And be- I mean, better than better. no deal and better than what the worst fears were when this all started four years ago. Yes, but this is still, don't forget, a hard Brexit. And, and something which I think is very easy to forget is we cannot let those which were in charge of the Brexit campaign um, and also other campaigns such as Nigel Farage's campaign who were at the time saying, why can't we be more like Norway? You know, Norway is kind of on the outer circle of the EU. They, they, um, they, you know, they still have lots of their own freedoms, but they're still members of the single market, etc. And so the thing that we were kind of originally promised is that the UK would have what at the time was called a soft Brexit. You know, th- this idea that we, we formally leave the institutions, the European Court of Justice doesn't have the same reach. Um, it, you know, there isn't direct effect of EU laws. We talked about that last time, this idea that a law kind of passes passes through parliament without any local parliamentary scrutiny and just automatically becomes law because we trust Brussels lawmakers, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I think the option was always there for that. Like, if Brexit was handled differently, that there's a parallel universe where that could have happened, right? If if David Cameron didn't resign so quickly, um, if we didn't use Article 50 as our mechanism, which gave this kind of ticking time bomb, uh, and if there wasn't just a series of, con- of, of conservative elections which continued until such time as there was a big enough majority to pass this through without any opposition, then um, th- then we could have had you know th- this idea of a, of, of a soft Brexit. And then actually, if I were if I were batting for those that wanted divergence. That's what I would say. I'd say, well, let's just get ourselves on the outside, then slowly diverge bit by bit. Have Because yeah. once you have an amazing trade deal with America, right, you know, already negotiated to say, look, we're going to have all these lower tariffs. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. It's not very easy to persuade parliament. You have leverage. Then, yeah, yeah, exactly. To diverge even more. And so, and so the thing that's kind of lamentable is I have, I do have a lot of, um, I do have a lot of respect for, for people that, that decided that Brexit was the right thing. There's a libertarian argument for Brexit. There's a left wing argument for Brexit. There's also a right wing argument for Brexit. And there's a lot of smart people that think that Brexit's a good idea. And what's sad is, even those people can't really see this as a victory. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my final question, which is, I think the the parallel we drew in 2016-15 to to the United States was that the Trump people wanted foreigner, foreigners were taking their jobs. And Build our wall. Jobs back. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was part of it early on in the UK as well, is we need to stop these people from coming in and taking our blue collar jobs. Does this accomplish that? Absolutely not. I am. I, um, I actually wanted to, in order to prepare for this, I, I, I didn't read the treaty because I'm not a nerd and um, <laughs> good ma- ma- magic spoon aren't paying enough. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you read the magic spoon ingredients. Remember I did those. <laughs> but what I did do was was look back at, at kind of question time episodes from 2015 and 2016. And there was so much vitriol that was created, particularly, I must say, by, by Nigel Farage. And there's a really, really, really sad episode, uh, it was a clip I saw on YouTube today, of a guy that was, I mean, clearly he had a hard life. Like he, um, he, he, he was homeless, he claimed, right? And, um, and he, he was talking about how uh, he didn't have a job. And he, he said, I've applied for a hundred jobs on the railway. And at that point you did feel like there should be an intervention, like <laughs> apply for different jobs. Maybe yeah, the maybe railway's not for your you. Your resumes needs to be cleaned up a little bit. Your CV. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe saying having completed Thomas the Tank bo- uh, box set is not enough. Anyway, like, <laughs> like, we, can belittle, we can belittle the guy all we want, but clearly he was in a tough spot. Yeah, and actually there was one quite funny thing, which was he, um, 
the panelists after he after he gave a little bit of a racist diatribe um he, he felt very thre- very threatened by it so left the studio and well i've got to go find a house now which made it seem like he 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 went out house hunting but made a diversion via the question time studio but anyway the point is he said something which could only be a product of this campaign which is i went to i went to go and get job seekers allowance or you know whatever tax credits he could get or whatever government support he could get and an immigrant told me that i had to find a job and and there was a very much kind of an us versus them mentality and this guy was blaming the wrong people he clearly had a had a tough life and like someone needed to help him no question yes. about it right and no one no one uh, said to him in fact, one person did say you're blaming the wrong people. But Nigel Farage, who was there, was was basically goading this kind of attitude. And yeah. what I feel is, you know, this doesn't create more opportunity for the working class who have been completely let down by by, by the last 10 years of, of Tory austerity, where access to education has been cut. Um, you know, like for many people, right, going for free to a European university could literally be life-changing. And like, there's a comedian I follow on Twitter who said that without Erasmus, I wouldn't have the job that I have now. He's a German translator. He came from a, from a, for a low-income background. And so this is definitely, you know, if you're a small business owner, if you want to start a business in the UK, it's slightly harder now to trade. So the thing that I think is really, is really upsetting is for all the, the kind of the really smart people that wanted Brexit because there was this big international plan that now can't happen because of this deal. And for all the people that, that wanted to blame foreigners, well, yes, the free movement of people has now stopped, but you can bet your bottom dollar we are going to be handing out visas like you hand out coupon codes for Magic Spoon. The I'm only thing this for my is dog good for, immediately. The only thing this is good for is like the, the dogs, the the British dogs at the Greyhound track. They don't have to worry oh, yeah. about the French dogs coming in. Oh, those fast <laughs> German dogs. <laughs> they don't have to worry yeah. about those super. Beyond dogs. that, yeah, it seems like nothing. Ollie, thank you so much, man. Thanks oh, for taking pleasure. the time. Thank you for being patient with us, with these our dumb Americans. Who, us. Yeah, thank, us and thank you for not doing any re- reading the deal because then you would have come off. You came off so much smarter than us already. But if you read the deal my god we, so we, we would be ashamed just to leave the interview so thank you for and that thank you for just memorizing our we didn't we should tell our audience we didn't tell you who our sponsor was in in, in advance you no, just no. knew they had three grams of net carbs off the top of your head he so just that's what you get with a uh, flavorful and tasty and look how cool the boxes are that's an oxford <laughs> really education nice, yeah. right there <laughs> ollie that's it uh thank you so much um you can check out ollie if twitter is ollie horn tweets Sometimes I post about law stuff if you're interested in that. Fantastic. And you have great jokes on there too. Patreon.com slash lost in America. $5 a month gets three extra episodes. That's it. Cap, what should we do? I'm going to go. It's lunchtime around these parts. I'm going to eat some magic spoon. I'm going to get lost. In fact, fact, just before we go, can I tell you the latest thing I tweeted? Yes. Uh, Which is as the Christmas dust settles this year, let us take a moment to remember all the reasons that made Jesus of Nazareth the greatest American that ever lived. (laughs) Well done. I love that tweet. I saw it recently. Yeah, that's great. That's it. Ollie, thank you, Kaplan. Let's get lost. Get lost. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save